0: starts now. In this episode, we speak with Nina Boyce, a certified hormone and fertility coach about hormone health, why it is important, what happens when your hormones are out of balance, and what you can do to get them balanced. Nina had her own experience with chronic health turning to stress, which evolved to anxiety, all of which completely threw off her hormone health. I'm sure many of you can relate. She turned her inability to find answers into learnings that helped her and now helps her clients heal. Please join me in welcoming Nina Boyce.
1: I really got into this work through my own struggles with it. It actually started with chronic anxiety. So I was really struggling with anxiety and I noticed that my periods then were becoming an issue. I was spotting a lot, having inconsistent periods struggling with cystic acne, like you name it. It's just like my hormones. And I was a ball of stress. And all of that was just like combining together into one big mess. So I ended up going to see my doctors like everybody does. And I went to my family physician and you know all the blood work came out fine. And he basically just said, let's put you on some anxiety meds then I went to my gynecologist and she said, you know what, let's just put you back on birth control because that should be able to, ha- to fix all of the things you've been struggling with. And at that point in my life, I was like, I just don't want to do that. Like if everything was okay before, then what happened in this transition? Like what can I do to start to get to the root of some of these symptoms and what's going on? So that's when I decided to dive into more of the holistic way of doing things. And I got into nutrition stress reduction, energy work, things like that. And slowly but surely, I started to feel better. And I just dove like headfirst into all of this, Uh, eventually getting my health coach certificate. And and now this is four years later um, from when I was really struggling. I've now focused my work on helping women transition off of birth control, optimizing fertility, and getting to the root of hormone imbalances naturally. And I'm also a Reiki practitioner, so I add in all the energy work stuff too with it.
0: Maybe what we could start out with then is talking about hormones. And, and the reason why I want to do that is I, I think, or I would hypothesize that a lot of women maybe just generally talk about, oh, I'm hormonal. But then when it comes to trying to conceive, they start to better understand what the different hormones are. Mm-hmm. And because we are focused today on just speaking about hormones and, and how you can more regulate them, maybe we just start out with educating people on how the woman's body works and what the impact could be around hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's huge. Because yeah, when we start to feel off, we immediately are like, oh, it's our hormones. Well, it probably is your hormones, but what does that mean? I think the first thing to note is that it really all starts in the brain, Because your brain has to send a signal to your ovaries through follicle stimulating hormone to produce estrogen in the first place. So when you're overstressed, when you have a lot going on, um, when you're in that fight or flight mode, it really interrupts that communication between the brain and the ovaries. When we're really stressed, our our reproductive system is like one of the first things to shut down. So it starts with that. Your brain sends follicle-stimulating hormone signal to your ovaries, and this is what signals the ovaries to produce your follicles that will later turn, you know, you'll release one of them, um, an egg from one of them at ovulation. But as your follicles begin growing, this is what produces estrogen. So in that first phase of your cycle, your estrogen is rising. It's like the dominant hormone uh, during that phase. And when estrogen hits its peak level, that's what signals to your brain to release luteinizing hormone, which is what triggers ovulation. So you can see that, you know, first, if our, if we're under a ton of stress or, you know, even women that are struggling with PCOS, that communication that first needs to happen with luteinizing hormone can be thrown off. Then if you're struggling with hormone imbalance, if you don't have sufficient enough estrogen, you're not going to trigger the, the line of, what, what do I want to say, like ovulation. So as estrogen rises, we produce various forms of cervical mucus that leads us into ovulation. So if estrogen isn't at its peak levels, then we're not going to get to that and we're not going to ovulate. Well, after ovulation... Our follicle turns into the corpus luteum, and this is what produces progesterone. So, a lot of women are actually struggling with estrogen dominance, which is when they have too much estrogen and too little progesterone in their system. And it's typically because they're not ovulating regularly, or I mean, there's a host of reasons why they might have too much estrogen in the, the system. But after ovulation, your corpus luteum is what produces progesterone. And so, if we're not having healthy ovulation, then you struggle with progesterone deficiency. And that's kind of what I see a lot with women.
0: So when these hormonal imbalances happen, I don't know if it's best to take it hormone by hormone, but it would be really interesting to talk about like what are some of the symptoms? And here's why I say Mm -hmm. Yes, it is true that, you know, there are diagnoses like Hashimoto's thyroiditis and PCOS and, you know, infertility and these very specific things that people like, go to but what strikes me is that it seems like there's so many more women who just have symptoms and don't even know what they have yet mm-hmm. that they have are associated with very generic things like oh I'm PMSing or and it's just very generic but but I, what I'd love to do is really help people understand that if you haven't been diagnosed with something yet or even if you're not trying to get pregnant these signals your body is sending you when there are these imbalances mean something and it's Mm -hmm. time to investigate. So what would you say kind of are some of the impacts of these hormonal imbalances?
1: Yeah. I'll kind of talk to this whole relationship between estrogen and progesterone because they have to be in a very specific balance in order for us to feel our best. So when they aren't, we tend to feel a lot of cyclical things like cyclic headaches, cramping, bloating right before our period, cystic acne or cyclical acne, uh, anxiety, depression. Those can be really big when our hormones are out of balance, especially estrogen. Estrogen is what gives us energy, but it also can make us feel really anxious. Uh, And when we don't have enough progesterone in the body to balance out the effects of estrogen, that's where we tend to feel even more anxious because progesterone is what calms us. It's like our natural uh, soothing hormone. And so when we don't have enough of it, it can cause some issues, especially moodiness too before our period. So if you notice that you feel a lot better in the first few phases of your cycle, there's a reason for that because estrogen again is like that stimulating, energizing hormone. But before your period, when our hormones drop, uh, if we're struggling with imbalance, then we can really feel those mood swings and those bouts of sadness. And a little bit here and there is normal, but we all know when it's to this point where it's just, we don't feel normal
0: anymore. Okay. So you're not, so I guess, cause that was going to be my next question is what is normal versus not? So is it that if you're bloating before your period um, or during your period, it's not normal or is it the degree? So how does one, mm. if it's normal or not, because so many grin and bear it, like on a recent podcast, we had a pelvic floor physical therapist, for example, say, if you have, uh, if you go in for your pap smear and you're in pain, that's actually not normal. And I think we women just aren't educated. So True. I need to talk about what is a normal thing versus when we need to do something about it.
1: I always say if it's affecting your day to day, then that isn't normal anymore. So of course, like before your period, I know sometimes you're watching a commercial and you'll feel a little teary. It's like, Ooh, I feel that ping of like, I could cry right now. But if you're really sad or you feel a very drastic mood switch, that isn't normal anymore. Or if you're feeling so uncomfortably bloated before your period every single month, that's not normal. A little bit of bloat maybe is normal, right? Because our hormones are dropping. So things are changing. We feel differently during weeks of our cycle, which is something I'm really passionate about teaching women that we are different during the weeks of our cycle. But if you aren't able to show up as your best self anymore, then that's where you need to start taking a look and see if things are, are happening underneath the surface. Also, if you're in pain, a little bit of cramping that you can work through is fine. So if you can walk, talk, do your day, and you just notice mild cramping, that's okay. But if you're in severe pain or you have to take something for it or you, you know, are nauseous, any of that, that's not normal anymore. So I think when you can balance it, like, is this affecting my day-to-day life? And is this affecting it in a negative way? That's when you know. When you think about like
0: how someone works through the system, so to speak. So typically we women, if we are on top of it, we go in for our annual Pap smear and see the OBGYN. And then there's support like you. So maybe you could talk to us about the path that women tend to take and and who tends to work with someone like you and, and how you're able to offer support that supports what women do with their obgyn.
1: So I kind of went through that same path myself. We need our gynecologists, of course. Like we have to go to our gynecologists. They check for those things that we can't do on our own. And also, when you're struggling, I mean they've they've gone to school for that for how many years? They know what's going on in the female body. But what I say is you are the expert on your body. And so when you go in, they don't have the time to sit there and say, "Okay, You're struggling with hormone imbalance. It could be an imbalance between your estrogen and your progesterone. Well, what's causing that? Are you sleeping enough? Are you too stressed? Are you eating enough protein? Are you getting enough healthy fats in? Like, That's not their role. And so the easiest thing for them to do is what they were trained to do, and that's to prescribe birth control to fix it. Of course, if you're trying to get pregnant, then that really negates the purpose, and then you have to go through a whole other side of things. But I feel like the role of working with a hormone coach is that you get to get to the root of what's going on. And it's also about having somebody to hold you accountable because there's so many books, there's so many podcasts, there's so much information out there. It can be really overwhelming. Like you pick up any hormone book and they're going to give you a list of like 20 supplements to take. So it's like, how do you know which ones are best for you? And that's really what working with a coach does is you get to sit down, they get to dig in with you what's specifically going on in your day to day. And then of course when it even comes to nutrition, everybody is different. So are you plant-based? Are you animal-based? Do you have food intolerances? So it's just there's no one size fit all that comes to when it comes to healing your hormones. And so working with a coach is a way to get around that because you're able to then tailor things specifically to what your body needs, not only physically, but mentally and energetically as well.
0: Okay. And then, as a coach, like what would you do that may be unique from like a naturopath? So, I know that there's all these different fields, and I think it's really important for women to know all the possible sources and the role of yeah. how the puzzle pieces fit together. Because, you know, you've got acupuncturists, and they'll often prescribe Chinese herbs and do acupuncture. Then you have the naturopaths, and they are also those who look at root cause. Then you have the OBGYNs, which are your traditional allopathic and as you, um, allopathic doctors, and as you had said, like they have their own specific training. So how would uh, working with someone like you help put those puzzle pieces together for the women?
1: So I've worked with naturopathics myself and I love working with my naturopathic doctor, but it is a little bit more transactional. Like you go in, you talk about what you're doing, you leave with your plan when you have a coach, it also is that mental emotional support added to it. So I know in my program, for example, I use Voxer and I talk with my clients throughout our sessions. So after they leave me, I'm, you know, voice memoing back and forth with them. Like, how are you doing? Is this working? Um, And because I do all of the energy work too, I usually am sending tarot cards or, you know, scheduling a Reiki session with them. And it's really that I'm not going through this alone. And there, I think it really depends on what you want too because some people just want to go in and they want their plan and they want to leave and they want to come back and check in in two months. But other people are like, you know what? I'm really tired and I need, I need more support than this. And that's when I think working with a coach is a great idea. So I do a six-month program because I find that we're not the same, first of all, week by week, and we're not the same month by month. So when you work with somebody over a longer period of time, I meet with my clients twice a month, you really get to see each other through all of the phases, through trips, vacations, holidays, all of the things that come up, stress, all of these life changes, and your hormones change throughout all of it too. So it's really about learning how to live in accordance to your cycle and how to live into those changes and really learn more about yourself throughout the process.
0: So when, when working with someone, I think it would be helpful to understand like, what are some tools that you use to better understand the clients? Because I think it would be helpful for people, again, just, you know, whether or not they work with someone like you or even go to a naturopath, like let's educate women on what are things they should be monitoring and starting to have self-awareness of, whereas unfortunately mm. trained to just, it is what it is. <laughs> we just have hormones, but there's actually yeah, do. So, do. So how do you begin to assess and support these women that come to you?
1: So I found across the board, women, myself included, we've been taught to look outside of ourselves for the answers. So that's why when we go to our doctors, we don't view ourselves as the expert on our body at all. Or we're looking for books, like I mentioned, and podcasts, which I love. I have a podcast too. But it's, we're always looking for answers outside of ourselves instead of learning to tune in to what we need. And I think that goes with food too. So I start with food. I'm like, are you enjoying? Number one, do you enjoy what you're eating? Do you, is it filling you up? are you still hungry? How are your moods after you eat? How's your digestion after you eat? Instead of just giving somebody, because I'll never give somebody a meal plan. So if somebody wants a meal plan, I'm the wrong hormone coach for that. But instead of doing that, I ask them to try out different things and see how their body feels and how they're resonating with that. And that's the first way to slow down and start tuning into what you need, not what somebody else is just giving you and telling you to do. But then in addition to that, I really teach them how to start tracking their cycle. So I use the fertility awareness method with my clients and we take basal body temperature. We start tracking cervical mucus. We start looking at moods and symptoms and how all of this changes throughout the four weeks of the cycle and how their mood fluctuations also coordinate with each of those four phases. So that's another way that they can say, oh, wow. During week one of my cycle, I feel really great. What what might that mean? And then during week three of my cycle, before I start my period, I feel bloated and tired all the time. I didn't realize this was happening every month. And then we can start to make changes according to what's specifically happening with them. So I basically teach them to slow down and listen to the body because it's the greatest teacher.
0: By the way, I wish that the fertility awareness method would be renamed because I almost feel like it should be called the body awareness method. Yeah, It, it makes it seem like it's all about getting pregnant. And that's the, the message is like, I don't want people to think, oh, I'm not trying to have a kid. I don't have to listen to this information because it's really about feeling good at the end of the day. But our body is designed to make babies. And if the things that it's designed to do to be able to help us produce children is out of whack, there's a lot of impact.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah, and with fertility awareness method, I feel like most women are choosing to use that to avoid pregnancy. I mean, when when women are trying to get pregnant, I feel like a lot of them just go to the fertility kits, you know, take their ovulation strips or whatever. But learning more about your ovulation window is so important. But if you're not trying to get pregnant you still need, like we were talking about earlier, you still need sufficient rising estrogen. You still need to be producing fertile cervical mucus because if you're not, then you're not reaching sufficient amount of hormones. And that's not only going to affect fertility, it's going to affect your body and your moods and everything else we've been talking about.
0: So yeah, it's not just all about having babies. (laughs) I'm curious if you also monitor the hormones as well. So I know that a lot of the clinicians, you have to go in for blood work, but now there are these uh kits that you can purchase, and you know even some of the experts I've spoken to, who some of which who've developed the kits, they say that directionally they're really really helpful. They may not be as precise as blood work, but directionally they help. So, do you work at all with those as well, or do you more focus on the symptoms and the fertility awareness method, which obviously the the hormone balances and imbalances impact the result that you see in the fertility awareness method. But I was just curious if you have people do that with some of the at-home kits as well.
1: Yeah, no, I do. I work with a registered dietitian. So as a coach, I'm technically not allowed to interpret tests and give you like what I think you should be doing since I'm not a doctor but I work with a registered dietitian who's able to order the Dutch test. So the dried urine test, which is phenomenal. It's the most comprehensive hormone test out there. She also is able to order the GI map and which is a gut test. And then also the hair mineral tissue analysis test. And so what I do is if my clients want to go that route, and I always think it's really good to test and not guess, especially when it comes to supplements. Like there are some supplements that it's really safe and Fine to just try things out and see. I mean, across the board, especially vitamins and minerals, like everybody should be taking magnesium and like probably a good multi if they're not getting good things in. But other than that, like if you're going to start playing around with other things, like, oh, I think I have high estrogen, maybe I should take this, it's probably better to test and see if you really do have that. And like the hair mineral analysis test will let you specifically know where your minerals are, if you're depleted. Um, if you're in that exhaustion state, so then you can tailor a protocol more specifically to the test results. So yeah, I work I like outsource that and then we use the results and the protocol from her. Her name's Amanda Montalvo. she's fantastic and we use that in our coaching together.
0: And then with respect to the types well, I guess maybe here's another question is we talk so much about how this is all personalized, like even with the testing that you've done and which supplements, that one should take um, if they do need them. Are there themes that you see that would be helpful to share? Because yes, it is true that, um, you know, I've come to believe too in all these podcast interviews I've done that it really is an individualized journey. We want a quick fix. We want to go on Google and find the answer. And unfortunately it's not there, which which is why we need to be patient and listen to ourselves. But I was just curious if you've seen any themes that women can start to you know, take assessment of as they start to work through their own personal journey?
1: Mm-hmm. The biggest theme overall is that women aren't eating enough. They are over exercising most of the time and under eating. And when I say under eating, they aren't typically eating enough protein and healthy fats for their body. And that's when it comes to the nutrition side of things. That's just really what I focus on. Are you getting in enough of the foods that are going to be the building blocks for your hormones? And when I take a look overall, what people are eating, I'm like, there's not enough healthy fats in there. And also we've been so programmed that keto and paleo and these other diets are the way to go. And that means that a lot of women are restricting their carbohydrates and then they're over exercising. And then that's causing a lot of stress on the body. And I feel like women need to start bringing in more carbohydrates that fit their body and their lifestyle and stop being so afraid of food. We're so fearful. Like if you, again, if you talk to any hormone expert, typically it's like you got to cut out gluten, you got to cut out dairy, you got to cut out inflammatory foods, you got to do all these things. And then by the time we start creating our meals, it's like, we're just afraid to eat anything. So that's like across the board. What I see is like, how can we start to build a better relationship with food and the body? And then in addition to that, I think a lot of women are stressed and burnt out and they don't even realize it. And we've normalized stress and burnout. So it's those two things. I'm like, okay, we need to address these things first. And also it's not just, we all know we need to reduce stress and some things are easy to do and other things it's way of life. There's not much we can do about work and family, but we really do need to prioritize stress reduction techniques in our daily routines, or else the body's going to continue to be in what I call the red zone. It's going to continue to be in that fight or flight state, and that's not conducive to producing hormones. So,
0: I can attest to a lot of what you're saying through my own personal journey. It just seems like in life we've become so on autopilot, and then we have social media feeding our brains with information. Plus, now there's so much information, one can really get lost and stressed. And I think you're right about the statement you made that we look to the outside, but really the answers are within. And if you know anyone takes anything away, it really is individualized. So trying to look out to see what worked for someone else. I think it's good from a having a list of options to try, but from a as sure. a, it will work for me perspective is probably not valid. But like, I remember, you know, I've done a lot of the restrictions and with trying to get pregnant for so many years, it became exhausting. Yes. And it's funny. I remember when I f- had started out, this was 10 years ago. I think this was towards the end of the low fat Phase, mm. and you know, one of the things that really I started to learn about is just you've got to read the back of labels. Don't look at the marketing. And whenever I do get fooled by the marketing, I kind of chuckle. I'm like, okay, you were a good marketer because I know to read the back. And for whatever reason, the way you marketed this, I didn't. And then lo and behold, yeah, example with the fat. Like I remember people were saying you need to eat full fat, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to gain weight. But in in reality it was healthy and fat things just have more sugar, which isn't as good for you. And so I've learned so much about how food, um, impacts me to the point. I just now I don't ever weigh myself.
1: Yes. (laughs) I love that. Yes. (laughs) I go.
0: Well, I actually, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say one clarification, um, with COVID I'm like, what is going on? I went on the scale. I'm like, oh my goodness. So then I was like, something has to change because the 10 years of that I've weighed the same is no longer here. So I made some changes and it worked. And now I don't weigh myself again anymore because I've, I've been validated. But the feeling good once you figure it out, and it is neat once you figure it out, you start to like I don't know, cheat and then say, oh, there it goes again. Maybe I shouldn't. Or you know actively if you're going to do something that may negatively impact you, what the impact will be. And then you get to choose from an empowered perspective. Um, so I, I I do love what you're saying about knowing who you are and what impacts you and not looking so much to the outside world, because it's really true and it's, it's hard for us to do. It really is. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. And I am, when it comes to weight, I'm always like, weight is always, a, it's usually a symptom. Like, if our hormones are out of balance, it's not that the weight is the problem exactly. It's usually that there's something else going on. And our bodies are made to settle at their own set point weight. And so it doesn't matter what the scale is. Your healthiest weight is going to be so different than somebody else that's the same height as you or whatever. The BMI is so silly. And so, Yeah. I love that you said that. And it really is more about focusing on your mental health. Like, do you feel energized? Do you feel good? Um, Are you creating anxiety and fear around food? Because that isn't helpful either. And I had this awakening because I was restricting too. And I was like, I'm not eating these things and these things. And then I took a step back and I was like, is this working? You know, Is this even working? I'm still having the same symptoms. I was like, it's not working. So why am I restricting so much? This isn't healthy for me. And so I started to bring in things and stop worrying so much. And then you're right. Then I could, from a place of empowerment, choose, do I want to eat this or do I not want to eat this? It's not because of a rule that was given to me. It's because I'm choosing it myself according to how I feel.
0: Right. So you mentioned that diet is like your first aspect, but what else do you do? I mean, you've talked about your Reiki training and some yeah. other So you know, this is really all about the whole self. This is not to say, hey, everyone, guess what? If you write magic, you're fixing a disease or a stress or anxiety. So tell us more about like this broad picture and other tools that you've been leveraging to help the women that work with you.
1: Mm, This is like my favorite conversation because I feel like women, we're so disconnected from ourselves. And we have this like wild woman inside of us that's just like waiting to come out. But we, again, we've created so many rules around who we should be or what people expect of us. We're people pleasers. And so we're always doing, doing, doing for everybody else instead of ourselves. And so in Reiki, we have these eight chakras from our crown chakra to our root chakra. And the one that I like to focus on is the sacral chakra. So it's right below the belly button. And that's your home for hormone balance. That's your femininity. That's your wild. That's your creativity. And we close that off.
0: Consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there.
1: And if you think about it, especially when we are just on autopilot, how often are we doing things that truly light us up, that truly bring us joy? And I bet you, even if we ask some of your listeners right now, what brings you joy? Some of them might say, I don't know. And that's okay. It's just we've shut that part of us off. And that's really like our true essence. And so I found that helping women really discover who they are again, what they want to do truly, like what brings them joy? What do they think is fun? And do more of that. It starts to open them up. It starts to help them relax. And guess what? all of that is then going to also balance your hormones. So it truly is like, yeah, food's a foundation for sure. Of course, we need to build our hormones, but also mentally and emotionally, we have to address those things too and energetically. And that's where Reiki comes in because we're able to, Reiki is a little bit wild if you haven't experienced it before, but we have these energy centers within the body called our chakras and they can get kind of blocked up. And I know a lot of people, they can kind of resonate, like if something sad happens, they almost feel like a clenching in their heart or If they're feeling nervous or not confident, they feel it in the pit of their stomach. Those are all energy centers. And when we don't work on those and release what's stuck there, uh, that just kind of keeps building up over time. And then we develop these subconscious habits that we don't even know we're doing. And so in Reiki, and I use tarot too as a fun way just to help you connect to your intuition. I don't think tarot reads your future or anything like that. I just think it's a fun way to help women or men connect to the present moment and what their intuition is speaking to them. But I really work with those things too to help us get the full picture of healing the body.
0: So tell us how Reiki works. I have never had a Reiki session and I pride myself in trying anything and everything at least once so that I can form an informed opinion. And I cannot form any opinion on Reiki because I have never done it, which I'm- Well,
1: we'll have to do (laughs) do a distant session sometimes because you can (laughs) do it. Absolutely. Again, I think it's one of those things you just have to experience to understand what it is. And it's a little bit different for everybody. But at its core, Reiki is a tool for stress reduction and relaxation. So if you're in person with me, I'll, you, know, you lay on the massage table and fully clothed. No, it's not like a massage or anything like that. Um, and it's light touch healing. So I put my hands uh, lightly on your various chakras. Nobody can see me because this is a podcast. But the crown chakra is at the top of your head. Third eye, right in between the eyebrows. Your heart chakra, right where you would think it is. Uh, your solar plexus is your stomach. Your sacral is right below the belly button, um, and then the root is, you know, your legs, like beneath the knees. And I put my hands lightly on each of those areas, and from there, as your Reiki practitioner, I'm able to help to direct the flow of energy and understand and feel sort of where it's blocked up. And for the for the client, they're purely just sitting. Or laying down, relaxing, listening to some music. And some of them feel release. Like I'll have people that even kind of twitch, you know, they can feel the release of energy. Some of them see colors, some of them see little visions, some of them hear their intuition because they finally put their body into a state of relaxation that they're able to hear messages from themselves and get really clear. And then other people just feel good. Like they come out of the Reiki session, they're like, wow. It's You can see the difference between their fight or flight and all of a sudden now they're in their parasympathetic, you know, rest and digest mode. Um, but it happens the same with distance sessions, which, again, I, I know it sounds kind of wild, but I'll have the clients just go relax, put on some headphones, listen to some calming music. We hang up. I send them distance Reiki. And then after 40 minutes, we hop back on the phone and we go over everything. And usually they sense exactly what I sensed, which is pretty cool. And
0: do you work at all with like the crystals? Is that part of the Reiki session as well? Or is it more just the touch?
1: It's more just the touch. I love crystals. I have them around my apartment. Uh, I have a book about them. So if I'm working with somebody and I'm like, okay, we really need to do some work on the root chakra. I'll open my book and say, here are a couple crystals that can help you connect to the root chakra. But I'm not a crystal expert by any means. But I do love having, you know, selenite is a super protecting crystal. So I love to carry selenite with me. And I feel like crystals are very much a symbol too of, like, for example, um, rose quartz is about self-love. It's that like beautiful pink crystal. And if you're struggling with the heart chakra, just wearing even like a rose quartz necklace can help you connect back to your self-love and to your compassion for yourself. But I actually had somebody on my podcast a very long time ago that talked about like the energetic properties of crystals and how there actually is science to them. But I I don't know that much about that whole aspect.
0: Oh my goodness. That's awesome to investigate more. I had some crystals and I'm actually very sad because one of them was rose quartz. And so to me, when my mom had passed away and I lost the bag and I tried and tried and tried to find my little bag of crystals and I have no idea what happened to them. I was meditating at some hotel and they're gone. So hopefully maybe I'll just have to get another replacement one. What's <laughs> it- What's interesting about crystals
1: is apparently they come to you when you need them and then they leave when you don't. So maybe you are supposed to have, maybe you're supposed to have a different bag of crystals. Who
0: knows? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. So yeah. to Reiki sessions, like I said, I'm not that familiar with them. So does someone come like once and then that's it? Do they come like monthly or weekly, like when it comes to acupuncture? Like, how does that work as far as like Quincy and what they do?
1: I leave it up to the client. I have clients that come to me every month and they call it their Reiki tune up, and it's just their way to just release anything stagnant that isn't serving them anymore. And then I have clients that just come in once and then schedule when they feel like they need it again, which for me, um, I do acupuncture too. I don't do acupuncture, I go to acupuncture. And I typically go like once or twice a month, but then even for Reiki, I'll just schedule it whenever I feel like my body needs it, needs a little okay. tune up.
0: So, how would this tie back into the managing the hormones? So, you know, you have your diet piece and then you have this Reiki piece that you like to work with. So, how does it all tie together in, in helping someone whose hormones uh, may be out of balance and causing these frustrating symptoms?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it really gets to the emotional stress reduction piece of balancing hormones allowing yourself to relax. And also, we have these blocks where we know that we need to do something, but we don't believe in ourselves enough, or we don't trust ourselves, or we're just not listening to ourselves. And that's where I feel like Reiki digs into that. So when you have a Reiki session, you start to realize what you truly want, because you take time to just take down every other stimulation, all that outside stimulation, and you learn to tune into you. And when you do that, then you start living in accordance to what your body wants, and then that always is going to benefit your hormone balance. So while you're doing all of the food stuff, that's fantastic, and we work on all that too, and supplements and things if you need those, but I feel like the real work happens when I see women really connect deeper to their bodies, start to show themselves grace and compassion. Because once they start doing that, then they speak to themselves in such a different way that... They automatically start changing other things in their lives that benefit hormone balance, if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. How would you say, because I could see meditation also offering similar benefits. So, how would you compare and contrast meditation versus Reiki outside of obviously what you do is different? But as far as like the process and the impact, are they similar? Um, do you see some nuances that would be helpful for people to understand? I think that they are really similar. I think when you're meditating,
1: it's just you, right? You're just like tuning into you. But when you're doing Reiki, it's this other element of like, I don't need to do anything. Like, I guess in meditation, you also sort of are having that feeling. But in Reiki, it's like, okay, I'm just going to relax and let something outside of myself work its way out. You know, I'm going to have somebody else be the facilitator to help me release these things that I subconsciously might not even know are there. But in meditation, I mean, I I love meditating too. Sometimes I find that I just need need to get out of that mindset and just like go to
0: somebody else that's going to help me. No, that makes sense because I know sometimes when I think about, you know, when I try to meditate, which I don't do regularly, I've tried to get in the habit for whatever reason it doesn't work, except lately I've been like just sitting and laying still listening to music before I go to bed which has been hugely helpful but I do find like even when I go to acupuncture it does feel like that extra support cuz sometimes you need it cuz of meditation and again because I haven't done it every single day for years it's probably harder for me but you know there's that constant like okay voices in head please go yeah. kind of all on your own like trying to like relax but it is nice sometimes when you need that extra push to have that external source so I I, yeah. I And with acupuncture,
1: you have these needles that are physically moving your chi, so it's like something else is happening. And then with Reiki, with the practitioner having her hands or his hands on your chakras, there's that extra element of something working and moving through you. Meditation is a beautiful way to center yourself and to become aware of your thoughts and to release judgment, but there is something to adding in the Reiki or adding in that acupuncture that adds a whole nother element.
0: How about if we talk about, you know, maybe you can give an example of a person that you worked with and kind of what they came in with. And then as a result of working with you, maybe some of the positive impacts. I think it would be helpful um, just to see like the hope and the light at the end of the tunnel with women that are, you know, struggling with these hormone imbalances, what the future could look like.
1: Yeah, I have a few different clients that come to my mind, but one is. She hadn't had a period in years and we worked together and it was again, she was over exercising. She wasn't eating enough. She was holding on to a lot of emotions subconsciously that she didn't even realize were there. And so we had to work through those things. And when we finally got the body to a place of balance, right? Like with food, like you were. she was eating the right types of foods. She was starting to give herself grace and compassion. She was starting to bring in stress reduction techniques. Then her period came back, which was just beautiful. And it's crazy because so many of us hate our period. But when it's not there, we're missing a piece. We're missing that sacral chakra energy. So that was just, I I loved that time with that client. And then I had a lot of clients that I've helped just get off of birth control and start to rebalance and sync with their their natural cycle. And they've gotten off of medications because of it. And I'll never say to somebody, get off of your medication ever. But it's interesting that when you take one thing out, maybe it's birth control, and you start to reconnect to your body, then you start to realize that your moods are lifting and that the foods you're eating are energizing you. And you can make an empowered choice then to say, hmm, maybe these are a couple other things that I want to try to get off of as well. And it's just a way that it's like we take things out so that we can connect more deeply to us. And that's been I've had a few of those situations, too, where they've just they've gotten off of a few different types of medications and they're just living in tune with with their own body. And it's beautiful. Not that anything's wrong with taking medication. I just want to put that out there because that's also needed sometimes, too.
0: I totally get it. I mean, I, I have found the same thing. And and for anyone who's listening who says, oh, my God, this is so complicated. It's hard. It takes too much time. You know, I, I will say that, you know, just thinking back it's really a journey. It's not because if you think about it, if you're not doing the right things, you're basically masking the issues that are there. And if you're not looking at the root cause, it's going to show up at some point. And the journey is so interesting. And what I love is that if you're not doing it by yourself and you have this team, like working with someone like your coach or going to an acupuncturist or a naturopath or all of that, your psychologist, whatever, it's a team that can help support you. Now, I do want to acknowledge that, you know, it, it can be costly, which I think mm. is why it's important to, you know, start with the self-awareness and tracking and monitoring, but then build the right team. I, I, I certainly am not saying spend $5,000 a month hiring a staff of people to support. Yeah. You. I think more it's just an awareness of, You don't have to panic and try to do it by yourself. There's so many incredible resources out there for women to really help think through those root causes. And it's not, it's not stressful. It can be such a joy. Like I feel. It's a time of self-discovery. Yes, it really really is. is. Yeah, it really is. And I, I mean, I equate it to like, I'm not a get nails done kind of person. I don't know why I just am not into doing that, but there are women out there who every week they get their nails done. And, you know, that's a self-care and these, these things that you're talking about, Nina, they're really just additional tools for self-care. It's not about, oh my God, let me go to my dietician and figure out how I have to like now deprive myself. Like it's a journey. And I hope that we can start to help women see that because it's so exciting when you get to the other side and like know yourself and are doing things feel good. And when you do the thing you shouldn't, you know, gosh, darn it. Yeah. (laughs) That that triggers me, but oh, well, I chose it. And I, but I learned in my choice.
1: (laughs) And that's the thing too, is you'll start to feel better along the way, little steps that you take. But even now, I mean, I've been doing this work for how many years now, but I still have moments. Like I've had a hard week this week and I have learned, I have to keep reminding myself to show myself compassion because our hormones can't possibly be in 100% balance all the time that's not reality. So it's never like, Oh, I've, I've totally messed up. And now I'm going all of these steps backwards. It's like, this is, it sounds silly, but it really is a lifestyle. It's like, this is just the way that I'm choosing to live and show up for myself now through the good and through the bad. And you know, what makes you feel well, and you know, what doesn't. And sometimes you're still not going to feel well and that's okay, but you're not going to not feel well for long periods of time. I think is like the big thing. It's like when we don't feel well, and we're looking for a result we feel like it's this huge, like we have to just climb over the mountain. There's so much for us to do, but it's little steps along the way. And then you never go back to that place again, because now you have the tools to self-regulate.
0: Yeah. I love that explanation. It's it's so true. And from personal experience, I can 100% attest to that. And the journey is fun when you finally realize what the intention is. So, you know, what else would you like women to know that they may not know about hormone health, tools and resources? You know, I think you've done such a great job in explaining how the hormones work, some of the symptoms, um, you know, diet, Reiki, and some other tools. What else should women be aware of that we may not have discussed?
1: The first thing that came to my head was that you don't need, and you kind of touched on this, you don't need to work with a thousand different people. And I've done that where I've worked with too many different people, and it just becomes overwhelming because, like, I everybody will have a different opinion, and that's where you start to get information overload. It feels really stressful. I say, just pick somebody that you trust, pick somebody that you feel really comfortable with that is going to be that support person for you, and then go from there. You don't need to go find all of the millions of best people that are doing all of these things because that's just going to get so overwhelming. But then in addition to that, remember to listen to yourself. So get your support, one or two people, and then learn to listen to yourself and just show yourself so much compassion.
0: That's such good advice. And if I could add to that, I will say, if you feel like you're doing the opposite, where you're scurrying around, trying to find an answer, having a panic, The best thing you can do is stop. Mm -hmm. And I'm speaking from personal experience. Like, I think back to how I didn't understand all of this when I was going through some really, really tough times. And I was in this panic mode. And I was more worried about the promises I made and stepping away from them, even though I knew it wasn't the right thing to do because I felt obligations and I wasn't listening to myself. And I was overscheduled, had too many people, the wrong people. And it's so, you know, I think what you're you're saying is so, so true. But if you do find yourself in that place, pause. Mm-hmm. And if you're on that fertility treatment, you know, let's say we are you are on your fertility journey. A couple months is not going to make it or break it on whether or not you have a baby. Like <laughs> it's it's there's no price to pay for being in a calm place. And I I love your advice of start with one. Start with mm-hmm. one Feel, look internally and take it from there. If you've gone to that other place, stop. Mm -hmm. I love (laughs) that. Yeah, (laughs) that's so important. Yeah, it is, it is really, really true. So, you've worked with so many women, and you know, I know you and I have talked in the past about all the gaps in in women's health, and yet there's wonderful people who are doing incredible things to help women. So, what would you say is your greatest hope for women's health as we Mm -hmm. evolve into the the next stage of, of all the wonderful, um, things that people
1: are doing for to support women. Man, my greatest hope is just that we're taken seriously. Like when we go to the doctors and we're sharing these things that we're struggling with, that people will listen to us. Because I think a lot of times when somebody finally comes to me, they feel so unheard. They feel like so alone. And we're all going through this together. If somebody looks like they got it all put together on social media, it's probably not true. And so, I just my biggest thing is I want women to be heard. I also think that our bodies are are different than a man's body. I'm just going to throw that out there. We obviously have different hormonal structures and all of that. And so, we need to learn to honor our cyclic rhythm um, instead of always trying to force ourselves into everybody else's agenda and how everybody else is working. And learn to listen and tune into us. So. It really is about women feeling heard and getting in tune with their bodies again because women's wisdom is a thing.
0: I love it. Thank you, Nina, for your time. This was incredible information. And I'm confident that women will take a lot of helpful tips away and be able to to act on this to feel a lot more balanced and um, educated about their hormones. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. And it's my favorite conversation to have. So I've loved every second of it.
0: Thank you for joining us on another enlightening episode of FemPower Health. No matter where you are in your journey, our website is brimming with content tailored to your specific topic of interest or life stage. Dive in and discover the resources and insights waiting for you. Your voice matters to us, and if you found value in this episode, Please take a moment to write a review. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but it also helps others discover our podcast. By spreading the word, you're empowering women everywhere with the information they need to navigate their unique health journeys. And if this episode resonated with you, please don't keep it a secret. Share it with friends, loved ones, or anyone you believe would benefit from the information. Together, we can create a world where every woman feels supported, informed, and empowered. Powered. Remember, knowledge is power, and FemPower Health is here to guide you and support you in every step of the way. And as a reminder, the information shared by FemPower Health is not medical advice, but for informational purposes to enable you to have more effective conversations with your doctor. Always talk to your doctor before making health related decisions. Additionally, the views expressed by the FemPower Health podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Until next time.